my goal is to focus on three pillars. I'll walk you through them really fast. So I think the the fund is going to be between 14 and 17,000 ETH. And uh, 55% of that is going to be focused on uh, what I call pillar one, which is vetted high quality teams launching new projects. Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains and the go-to place for everybody to learn about the latest innovations in Web3, NFTs, and the decentralized web. Join us each week to hear from experts, entrepreneurs, and the early stage investors that are building the future on the blockchain. Not only will this podcast help you understand why these emerging technologies are so important, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the metaverse. GM, GM, thanks for tuning into the Unstoppable Podcast. My name is Josh Gordon. I'm your host. And today I'm joined by Ryan Carson, founder of Fund121G. Now, this fund is investing in NFTs, and I'm really excited to dive into it with you. It's it's a emerging space that I think uh, is really interesting because of your perspective on investing in NFTs for the future and really trying to identify the ones that are built to last. And that's no easy task. I'm also a, a Moonbirds holder, so this is a special conversation for me. Ryan, welcome. How you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me on the show, Josh. Excited to to dig into all the things and, and chit chat. I kind of stumbled upon your your journey and and who you are when I was following Proof Collective and Kevin and the whole Moonbirds Mint. And it's been it's been interesting following your ride, Kidden. You start off by sharing your journey into how you really got started in crypto and how that led up to you joining the the proof team and helping build Moonbirds. Yeah, you bet. So I have been a founder CEO for about 20 years, got a computer science degree, and then started building companies. Uh, built three companies. All three of those have been acquired. And the last one was Treehouse, which was an online school that taught over 600,000 people how to code. And that was acquired in December of 21. Kevin Rose was my first investor in Treehouse. We actually met way back when I used to do these big, big conferences called the Future of Web Apps and met him. He was one of my speakers and Gary Vaynerchuk did his, I think, first big speaking gig on my stage. And so just go way back with Kevin and we're good friends. As I was coming out of Treehouse, I was listening to his podcast, Proof, and I was following along the journey and learning more and more about NFTs and, and Web3. And in December, I texted him and said, hey, man, you know, I'm thinking about grabbing a Proof Pass. And he said, awesome, you know, excited to have you as part of the community. So I just joined as a member and so hopped in the Discord. I think I was the first person in the Discord. Just kind of welcomed everyone to the community. It was really fun and really inclusive. And, and it was just such a good community. One day he said, Hey man, I'm going to do a, we're going to do a town hall. You know, can you help me run the crowd and take questions? And cause Kevin and I are good. Like uh, we're good on stage together. We have kind of a, a good vibe. And, and I said, sure. And, you know, just started helping out more and more. And I think it was mid January cause Kevin was full-time at true ventures. And I realized, you know what? Like, it'd be so fun to join this team full-time. And so I texted him and said, Hey, can I be your COO and I can help you build this thing? You know, I know that you're, you're busy running things at true and I can kind of help boot things up. Justin Mezel and Kevin had already started 
um, proof. And so I, I just kind of came in as the COO who helped kind of boot it up, you know, and got the community going. I love building community and hanging out uh, with smart people. So Kevin said, let's go. So, you know, joined as, as the COO. I'm not a co-founder, uh, just joined as the first executive. And we just had a blast building the community. It was, it was really fun. It exploded, man. I mean, it was pretty wild watching Moonbirds come onto the scene all the way up through Mint. I think it, I mean, it really, it really did catch one of what feels like right now is one of the final NFT waves before we'll see how long we're in a little bit of this bear winter uh, slump for. It captured everyone's energy and that was exciting to see. And you definitely had a, a big play in that. I also want to note, I was uh, I was a student of Treehouse 2 back in the day when I was getting my uh, computer information systems degree in school. I, I popped on and, and did some tutorials in my free time. So that makes me happy to hear. Now, you know, you mentioned you you jumped in helping helping build the community. And now, you know, I'd like to I'm also curious, did you were you doing a lot of crypto investing beforehand or was like proof one of the first NFTs you had purchased? I started buying various cryptocurrencies early on. So ETH and Bitcoin, Luna, a couple other ones like that. I was really collecting a lot of cryptocurrencies early um, and I was experimenting with NFTs. But I would say that Proof was my first serious purchase. You know, minting even at one ETH, which is where I ended up getting it, you know, at that time felt like a big deal. So I came in early and, and learned a ton being inside of Proof. The Proof community is amazing. You know, it's a thousand NFT collectors and artists who are just very experienced, very interesting, and learned a ton as I went through that community. And then when I joined the team, you know, and getting an inside track on to onto how all these things are done and how they're built was really eye-opening. And I think, you know, what's interesting, people talk about Moonbirds, you know, why was it such a huge success and, and what happened there? And I think there's a, a couple of reasons and I'll kind of walk you through them. The first is that, that Kevin is a charismatic, passionate leader, right? And Kevin has been building communities for decades. The first piece of the success of proof is the fact that Kevin built a real community and then launched a token on top of that. And and Proof is only a thousand members, right? So it's not a huge community. So it's a community you can you can can know and that you can build and that you can build a true community with. And so that was the beginning. And then we have Justin Mazel, who came in as the co-founder of Proof with Kevin, who has tremendous product chops and experience and is very genuine and kind. And and then we just kind of privately worked, right? So you know, I helped build out the foundation of the company and the community. Justin was shipping product. Kevin was leading. And the first thing we did was Grails. So, I mean, a lot of people didn't know about Proof. They didn't know about Grails. But Kevin had a vision for Grails, which was awesome. It, it, it was, let's get 20 of the world's best artists, four of the top grossing artists of all time, to create an NFT for a collection called Grails. And then each proof member got to, to mint one grails, essentially for free. It was 0.05 ETH, um, which all went to the artists. And it ended up being that the artists were Dimitri Cherniak, Tyler Hobbs, Ixshells, Larva Labs, Gary V, Alexis Ohanian. I mean, it was mind-blowing. 
And some of our members minted a grail that was worth 80 ETH. And so all of a sudden people notice like, gosh, proof is delivering a lot of value to proof holders. And the floor started to increase, you know, and, and we, we didn't, we never talked about the floor or focused on it, but it started going up. And I, I think that's the key that folks need to understand about Moonbirds. Like there's a real community there. There was real value being delivered. And then what happened is, you know, Kevin and Justin and I had an offsite. I went to Mexico and, and we decided to expand the community. Right. So it was like, all right. Poof is, I think it was like 20 or 30 ETH floor at that point. It was very inaccessible to normal folks, right? So the thought was, okay, let's expand the community, but thoughtfully. And let's make a price point that's more accessible. And let's allow folks to come in and be a part of the proof ecosystem, but not dilute the value of proof holders. And so then we decided to launch a 10K PFP to that community. So instead of like a lot of projects that start as a 10K PFP and then try to figure out how to build a community and how to deliver value, we had already built a valuable community. The thing I'll point out, because we'll get into, well, you know, how did 121G come into this and why did I leave uh, Proof? But since I had sold my last company, I had always wanted to start a venture fund. I had raised a lot of venture capital, but I had never been a venture capitalist. And I thought, you know, I could, I feel like I could be a great investor because I know what founders need and I could be very helpful and, and empathetic. So I think it was probably in February, late February, I said to Kevin, Hey, do you mind if I start a fund on the side? You know, uh, I'll run it nights and weekends. Uh, it won't interfere with proof. And he said, yeah, no problem. You know, let's do it by the book. Let's make sure we hire great, you know, attorneys and do everything correctly. And and when we both said, great, you know, and it, there wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. We started to get ready to launch Moonbirds, And then Kevin did his first spaces on Twitter and Kevin has 1.6 million followers. Right? So as soon as we did that first Twitter space, the industry woke up and realized, Oh my God, this is going to be a big project. We were planning on it being a Dutch auction, you know, starting at 2.5. We thought it would go down to one you know, a mint out at one that it would be successful, but, but we'd have to work a long time to make it a top five PFP. And as soon as we launched that Twitter space, it became clear, oh my goodness, this is going to sell out at probably at two five. And it's going to be this big gas war. And we made the hard decision to switch to a fixed price raffle. And then at that point it was like, wow, this might be bigger than any of us thought, you know, and when I signed on to Proof, it was like, I'm a three times, you know, CEO founder. I built companies before. I thought Proof was going to be this kind of fun, small community, right? I did not think we would launch a PFP that would dominate the industry. And then the Moonbirds Mint happened and, you know, it just blew us all away, right? I think nobody expected that it would do the kind of volume it did, you know? And I think at that point, it was like, whoa, this is way bigger than I ever thought. And, and then I, th I think on April 24th, I said, hey, the fun site is live, you know, check it out. And didn't really think much about it because I had already announced the fund on April 4th. It wasn't a big deal. But I think what I learned from that is, is you know, I gained 30,000 followers on Twitter since April 4th to April 24th. 
And the mistake I made was assuming that all my new followers knew what I was doing and assuming they knew that, you know, I wasn't a co-founder, you know, I was an executive and, and assumed all that. And so when I announced the fund, I think people just didn't understand. It was like, wait, is Ryan's like a founder and he's like launching a fund and like, is he walking away with all the mint money? And like, what is happening? And it was just a big misunderstanding on what was actually happening. And so I think at that point, Kevin and Justin and I, you know, had a kind of come to Jesus talk and, and I said, you know, it's clear that proof is going to be a multi-billion dollar company, right? And you need a COO who has built a multi-billion dollar company. I built companies, but I haven't done that. And I'm not a co-founder here. You know, I own less than 1% of the company. I really want to focus on my fund and honestly, I think it's best for both of us if we part ways, you know, and shake hands and we're, we stay friends. It happened faster than we all wanted uh, because I was in the spotlight, but that's what happened. It was tough going through that for everybody. I wish the timing was better. That's what happened. And it was uh, a pretty wild ride. No, I appreciate you really sharing really clearly what transpired and and what your intentions were going into it. It's something I want to talk about with you a lot is... You know, this NFT space is developing and innovating so fast and the playbook is being written, you know, day by day. And the challenges that founders and project builders face, I think, is really different than what a traditional company exec and employee faces, right? There's these expectations put on the builders that value has to be delivered what feels like daily and that if there is a week of silence the whole world's capitulating and that they've given up on the mission you have this background where you've built companies and they weren't overnight successes i can only imagine you spent years i spent a decade building treehouse a decade a decade building treehouse and i've i've got some insight into matt gould the ceo of unstoppable domains i mean he's He's been working on Un- Unstoppable for half a decade now. And and all of a sudden, Moonbirds, it pops up and it's got these high valuations. And then all of a sudden, they're relentless. People are just relentless. So I'd like kind of your take on, you know, we we talk about community so much in NFTs and, and what it means. And I do think that they bring forth this really interesting social dynamic where you can connect with people who, by owning NFTs, you kind of signaling that you have these similar values or belief systems. What's your perspective on the the negative side of communities that can come out of it? I mean, those or what kind of advice can you give to other project builders and, and founders that receive pushback from community always wanting more? I mean, can, do you have anything you could pass on to them or just thoughts you could share around it? Because I... I just wish I could, sometimes I see on Twitter and I want to say to everyone, yo, let's chill out. Like we have to understand building takes time and, and good products take years. So, so hold on a second before you get upset. Yep. I, okay. So if you're lucky to be, you know, on the back of a bull or on a rocket ship, like we were and are with Moonbirds. I learned a couple things. So number one, you just can't expect that everyone has all the context all the time, right? You have new people coming into the project daily, right? You know, you have folks that are busy, you have people with their own lives and 
when they happen to see, you know, an executive or a founder tweet from a project, they're not going to have all the context. You know, maybe they didn't get into the discord or the last day. So the big lesson for me was just realizing that, uh, you know, folks don't know exactly what's going on. So when you speak, you really have to consider like, gosh, what if someone doesn't know anything about anything and this is the first tweet they see, right? So that's like lesson one, which makes communication hard because it's like you're always starting over, but it's important to know that, right? That's thing one. Thing two is like almost counter to that is if you're a builder, you have to also know that that folks are impatient and that you're going to have to live through all of that and just keep working and deliver over a long period of time to prove everybody that the project is truly valuable. So you almost have to acknowledge it, but ignore it at the same time. And one of the reasons I'm so bullish on Kevin and Justin and the proof team is I know that the success of Proof and Moonbirds and High Rise and everything that they're going to deliver, Kevin is betting his reputation on it. Like literally his whole career is being betted on this. And so when you're that, when, when you've got that much riding on it, you know, it's going to take time and you just need to wait and be patient. Right. So, you know, Moonbirds, you know, rocketed up to what it, what it was like 40 ETH or something. And now it's down to, I don't know, 20, 25 ETH. And, and all of us who are a part of this ecosystem and believe have zero worry. It's like, I'm patient. I know that this is going to be like any good stock, right? It goes like this, you know, dips and rises and dips and rises and dips and rises, but goes up and to the right, right? And unfortunately, we're dealing with an industry where a lot of folks don't have investing experience and they don't know that. And they also, unfortunately, FOMO'd into various projects without researching them. So they're constantly worried, you know, is this thing literally going to zero? And so... I've just had to to kind of breathe and focus on the fact I know that that good teams are going to deliver over time. And I know when people were, were angry at me and and frustrated, I, I I first had to learn the lesson, okay, be more thoughtful in how I communicate number 1, but number 2, just remember the facts. I said this in a podcast interview this morning, how do I deal with it? I mute people on Twitter. Like it just you can't, no human can take that amount of abuse, right? Like it's just, it's too painful, right? And if you keep seeing it, it will wear you out, right? So I just mute people that are just really, you know, mean <laughs> and uh, then you see less of it, right? And and I was thinking through that as I was preparing for this interview, I was like, you know, I want to I wanna know the numbers here and I want to be clear about what happened, right? So number one, you know, I wasn't a co-founder, right? I was an employee and I own less than 1% of proof holdings. And I was paid a salary uh, to work on the project and I received $0 from the mint and the royalty, right? So I didn't walk away with anything from, from that huge mint day and all the royalties. That's kind of thing one to know. Thing number two is we gave 2,000 Moonbirds to proof holders. And so that is, that value was from zero ETH up to where it is today. Say it's 23 is the floor. And then we minted about 7,800 at 2.5 ETH. 
And when you chalk all that up, that was the team and I, we worked very hard to deliver $646 million of value, right? You know, that's like approaching a billion dollars, right? And so I just think, you know, people may be mad for some reason that I left the project, but the truth is I worked my ass off and got, you know, not much to create almost a billion dollars of value for everybody. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be fine. Good insight from you and hearing how you were thinking through it, how you're dealing with it. I do, I do agree. You know, sometimes just straight up hitting the mute button on Twitter is the, is the best way to tune out a lot of that negative talk that comes at you just from sometimes what can feel like all directions online. It's, it's almost an interesting part of the metaverse and crypto that we haven't quite started talking about yet is, and I used to work in virtual reality prior to, Web3 and a topic of conversation that started to bubble up was like, how do you protect from harassment in digital environments? Like people literally coming up and being in your personal space. And it's th these kinds of questions we were starting to think about in VR environments. Now I almost see, I see a lot of similarities in, in the NFT world is is how do you draw the line? I guess some of it's just internet hate, right? And maybe that's cyberbullying. But some of it is also just where do you draw the line in these communities that we're building in terms of what's okay and what's not okay from the dialogue we have with each other? Right. And I think this is where good, good community guidelines in places like Discord and really good moderators and really good teams does pay. So Proof has two amazing full-time community moderators plus a a Discord moderator, aka Stevie and Soda Pop are the two full-time community managers and 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 Proof just hired another full-time mod. And they're really good at guiding that conversation in the Discord. There's some mean stuff being said about me in the Discord. And they they sort of guided people and said, you know, that's not what we're about. Like, and here are the facts and and it's okay to to say certain things, but but we're not a community where it's okay to be mean, right? And so it kind of guided people away from those conversations and therefore it stopped, right? And, and I think that the good communities will have that protection in place. The bad communities will not. I also think another key is I think public discords are bad. I think the idea of a small private discord that, that's only accessible by the holders of the NFT is very important, right? You shouldn't be in a community unless you are actually in the community. Number one, and then once you're in the community, it doesn't give you right to say whatever you want, right? You have to abide by the rules and be kind and thoughtful. And that's where good moderators and good teams are, are, are really key. Um, and I think Kevin and Justin have done a good job of setting the example of speaking kindly and being graceful, gracious. And, and you know, maybe my, my last question on Moonbirds, and then we can, I'd love to jump into your fund is you, you talk about, we're talking about a lot about community right now, and you are a Moonbirds holder. So you are part of the community still. And I just like your take on what makes you excited to be a holder and, and a believer that Moonbirds is going to maintain this top five PFP status. It, the thing that interests me a lot about it is the focus on like art and collection it, it's different than i also hold a mutant ape and there's this focus on kind of streetwear and gaming and so i kind of see moonbirds playing a little bit of a different arena yeah i just like your take on why do you think they'll continue to succeed beyond just 
you know, Kevin's reputation and, and the hype they, they got at Mint. Yep. I love being a part of the Moonbirds community and I love being a, a member of the Proof community as well. And the reason why I'm so bullish on Proof and Moonbirds is the team. This is just like any other area of life where, you know, why do I bet so strongly on Tesla? It's ultimately because of Elon. Like his his vision is so disruptive and he and I know he won't stop that I know betting on Tesla's is a good bet, right? I don't even know what the next car is going to be. I'm not sure how it's going to shape up, but I know that that his vision is solid and that he will just do whatever it takes. And so in the same way, I know with Kevin and Justin and the team that they, they are the most solid bet in Web3 right now. And so whatever happens with Moonbirds and Proof, I know it's going to be good. And and I know that because their reputation is relying on it, that they're fully doxed. You know, there's investment from True plus 776 that will require accountability. So when I look at all those things, I'm like, this is a real enterprise, right? They need to deliver value to all Moonbirds holders. It's not, they don't even have a choice, right? It, they're, they have a fiduciary duty now. So I think just knowing that is part of it. But, but, you know, having been inside the team, I also know some of the plans and, you know, they've hinted at things like high rise and that your moonbird is the key to that. And I know there's going to be subsequent drops because they've started to talk about it. And I know that there's going to be meetups and there's going to be IRL events. And it, it's just, it's going to be an amazing community to be part of. And that's why I'm convinced like it's going to, it's going to be a great solid bet long-term you know, it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. It will be. Yeah, no, it, it really will be. I'm going to NFT NYC and I do have the the first meetup booked on my calendar. So whatever, whatever it really shapes up to be, I'll, I'm going to be there. I have met a couple Moonbirds holders and I live in Portland, Oregon, and I think Kevin does too. I'm yet to meet up with Kevin, but <laughs> He's Kevin, we'll make it happen one day. We met at a bar called White Owl. So it was very, uh, <laughs> it, it was a good spot to do it at. Yeah, I'd love to now dive into your own fund. And hear from you, like you said, you wanted to get into VC, explain some really good points on why you think you can add value as an investor to, you know, founders, um, since you've been there, you've experienced it. Like what made you want to go all in on Web3 uh, with the fund? Was it your excitement and passion from, you know, getting the toes wet in everything we've just talked through? You know, is it something with the technology that you think is going to be revolutionary? Yeah, what what would it really led to that? So the first thing I knew was that Web three was going to change the world, right? So I, I saw Web one happen, I saw Web two happen, and as soon as I knew about Web three, I knew okay, this is going to be the biggest revolution in human history. And then when I went deep, specifically with NFTs through Proof, I selected NFTs as the specific vertical that I would focus on, and. As I went deeper and deeper and deeper with Proof and Moonbirds and the entire community, I knew that there was so much value to be created. And so I think when I decided to launch a fund and then specifically to focus on NFTs, so we don't, we're not going to do anything else. We're not going to do equity investing. We're not going to buy any cryptocurrencies. It's pure NFTs. I knew that I was in the right place at the right time to do that, right? Right where essentially I've got 
you know, two decades of experience as a CEO founder, and then I've got experience building proof and then experience launching Moonbirds. I just knew that I was in, I happened to be, and it's not because I, I, I think I'm amazing. It's that I, I'm just the right person at the right moment to launch. I, I think a, a great NFT fund that can spot upcoming projects and deploy capital in the best upcoming projects. It was interesting to launch it. So, you know, I uh, decided to call it 1.21 gigawatts fund because I love back to the future. And if you happen to be watching this video, you might see I've got, you know, the license plate from the DeLorean and various Lego sets. And, And then my wife had the idea of calling the tagline, the fund you wish you could go back in time and invest in. Um, so it's a bit of fun. So picked 121G as the name. And then, um, you know, when we announced it on the 24th, I thought maybe I would get, you know, 20 investors and it would be a small fund and, and I would just kind of build it and kind of work. But the, the interest was overwhelming. We completely filled the fund in seven days and raised over $40 million dollars. And I had to close the fund because there was so much interest. And I think what that means is everyone realizes now is the time, right? And, and the problem is unless you spend your, you know, 10 hours a day researching NFTs, it becomes very hard to pick the right projects. And so I think a lot of folks that are investing in the fund are passionate about NFTs, but they just know they don't have, you know, literally... 50 hours a week to research and, and vet and pick the right projects. So yeah, we're going to start deploying capital in July. My goal is to focus on three pillars. I'll walk you through them really fast. So I think the, the fund is going to be between 14 and 17,000 ETH. And uh, 55% of that is going to be focused on uh, what I call pillar one, which is vetted high quality teams launching new projects. So what we're going to do is we're going to identify 12 projects over the next 12 months that have experienced fully doxed teams. And then I'm going to interview them, have a real call with them and ask them, what's your experience? What's your plan? What's your treasury plan? What's your hiring plan? How are you going to roll out your OKRs and your KPIs and really vet them? Once they meet my guidelines, then we're going to deploy uh, between five and 700 ETH on mint day. Then the plan is to hold, right? So I'm going to meet with the teams every month, you know, ask them if I can unblock them, support them, connect them, but also hold them accountable. You know, how are you doing to your OKRs? How are you doing to your KPIs? And, and really understand how the project is doing. Yeah. Now, now that sounds very different than how a lot of NFT teams and developers are really going through the motions right now. I mean, I would imagine that A, they might not even all have OKRs and KPIs. They may not be thinking about how they're working with investors, right? So do you see that as potentially being a roadblock or maybe maybe your vision (laughs) is, yeah, it could be a good roadblock. I, I guess maybe also as the NFT space matures, those kinds of questions and expectations could be the new standard. Yeah. And they should be the standard, right? You know, it, it's ridiculous that, that, that projects are expecting folks to deploy, you know, $3,000 into an unknown digital asset with no backing, no plan, 
no experience. It, it's, it's crazy. Right. And we're, we're going to stay a million miles away from, you know, anonymous teams and teams with no experience. So yes, it's a roadblock, but it's actually a good one. You know, I want our bar to be really high. I think Moonbird set a playbook that's going to be repeated, right? So we'll have more vetted, fully docs teams coming into the space, uh, building communities first, right? So not PFPs, but they're going to be building communities first and then launching projects into those communities. Those are the kind of projects that we want to back. I think we'll see more mint prices at you know the two ETH mark. And then I think we'll see more secondary uh, mint day prices at that five to seven ETH mark, you know, and we'll see this pro- this playbook repeat, which is good. It's good for the whole industry. It's good for the projects. It's good for holders. It's good for investors. It's good for founders. It gets good. You mentioned there's three pillars. Did you want to touch on pillar two and three as well? Yeah. So pillar so pillar one is 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 at least fifty five percent of the capital. So it's the majority, um, and then uh, about fifteen percent of the capital is going towards one of ones. So I really, really believe in high quality, uh, long-term artists. And I don't think those artists need to have a roadmap. I think that they are talented artists building a community around their art. And I think one of ones from those artists are extremely valuable and wonderful and beautiful. And so, um, you know, I'm fortunate to have really good connections with some of the world's best artists. And so I just had a meeting with one of them. And, and agreed to acquire one of their uh, one of ones and then hold it. So we're going to hold, uh, we're going to acquire and hold very, very beautiful, um, very rare uh, one of ones from those artists. Um, so excited to do that. Um, and there's about six, there's five or six artists on that list. Um, and then the third pillar is proof. <laughs> I believe in proof. I know what's going on with proof. And I've never had more conviction on a team in my whole life. Right. So we're going to deploy pretty heavy capital into the proof ecosystem. And I'm really, really excited about that. Well, that, that's that's awesome. And it's giving, I guess, it's giving me and it should give when Moonbirds holders and proof collective holders hear that, you know, that should give them positive. I don't know, I, I, some kind of reinforcement, too, in, in knowing that you're you're still supporting the, the community, the ecosystem and, and not just. It's easy to say, and it's another thing to follow up with actions, right? So very interesting pillars there. Now, across all that investing, I guess two big questions came into my mind as I was listening to those pillars. One is, are you going to be sharing the the plans on what is getting purchased and held and the length of those holds and stuff like that beforehand? Or is that only ever after the purchase happens? And uh, I'll, I'll start with that question. So the LPs are going to know the plan. And so I'm excited about this. So we're going to have a, a, we have about a hundred LPs and we're going to have a private discord and I'm going to be very transparent about the plan. And so the hope is, is that they will co-invest with us. So, you know, I'll say, all right, folks, you know, we've identified project one, we're going to deploy X amount of ETH on this day and we invite you to invest with us. Because we're going to be investing as we have high conviction on the project, right? And and so I, I think that's going to be very valuable for our investors to be able to co-invest and participate. So, But we won't share that publicly because obviously we'll get front run by the public. I hope that when people see 121G buying in, they'll understand that 
this is a vetted high quality project and that 121G is a quality long-term holder. So when we buy into a community, it's because we believe in it. And then I, I hope that just causes more positive reinforcement that this is a good project. You know, obviously it's not financial advice. Um, people should do their own research, but it should be a good sign for a project um, that we are, are deploying capital. But we'll have to get you a unstoppable domains wallet as well, or a domain so you, you can use that. We're, we're working on reverse resolution and all your favorite dApps and whatnot. So that's great that you're thinking about how you can share that with the LPs and also how you're wanting people to see what's being held you know, by the fund. Now, how does we're in a state of uncertainty right now, right? Market-wide. Some may think it could be a crypto downturn. Some people think it could be really related to the larger macroeconomic uncertainty that's going on in the world. I'm no economist and really can't provide like, you know, I'm not going to even try to attempt a take at it. But what is your thought on we, we could be entering a multi-year bear market. We could be seeing a downturn in NFT activity. Does anything change if that happens for you? Or do, do the strategies stay the same? Or do you have any concerns about the downturn? Uh, zero concerns. In fact, I want to buy more. I feel so fortunate that the timing of the fund is now. There's never been a better time to buy. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful in, in that we're being given this opportunity. I'm, I am deeply sad for everyone that is losing significant and significant amounts of wealth, right? It is happening and it's terrible, but we are going to use this opportunity to be even more aggressive. So this is the key. If you are investing in high quality projects, then these downturns don't matter. So I think we're, we're very convicted. Of course, we're going to have bear markets right? Of course, people are going to lose conviction, but that's exactly the right time to buy. You know, Web3 is here to stay forever. I think, you know, if folks are able to deploy capital into this bear market, I imagine that will do uh, very well for them. It reinforces everything, I believe. Investing in high quality projects is the key. It bet on the team, period. I like that. And I'm, I might have two more questions before we jump into our web one, two, three, which I ask every guest on the pod. And the first one, and it's okay if the answer is you just can't share, but are you able to share one NFT project that is on the market now that you would consider a high quality project that has your attention that's not Moonbirds or Proof Collective? Oh, I was about to say Moonbirds. <laughs> um, gosh, I can't share right now. That, that's okay. Well, I will, I'll definitely be following the fund so I can learn as an inside scoop on, uh, on what you're looking at. So my second question relates to really almost the first thing you said in the interview. You said you really think that Web3 is going to change the world. And I'm curious as to like a kind of a succinct answer or line of thinking around why this technology is so impactful in, in your eyes. I get so interested in hearing that answer because there's so much tech out there. There's climate tech, there's medical advancements, AR and VR. But what about Web3 speaks to you as something that's so game-changing? I think it's the tokenization of every asset on the planet. It will absolutely transform our behavior. And I think it will optimize markets in ways that is extremely valuable for consumers. 
I'm so excited about it. I think for, for once consumers are actually going to be able to own their assets and control them. And I think that's a powerful, powerful thing. Thanks for sharing that. And let's get into our web one, two, three and wrap this up. Now, my first question is who's an influential web three creator, entrepreneur, investor that's inspired or educated you. I know you've mentioned Kevin, if you want to shout him out again, you can, but if there's anyone else, please do. Yeah. I think Betty at dead fellows is awesome. I think dead fellows is a great project. I think they have a good exec team and I think she's a good leader. Fantastic. Yeah. Agree with that one. We've been working with that community as well at unstoppable. So love to see it. And what's your favorite NFT? Ooh, my proof pass, 100%. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm jealous. I did and I do listen to the proof pod and I did look at it on Mint Day. And at that time, that was kind of before the mints started happening above an ETH. And it just kind of threw me off. And I, I don't know, I didn't have that kind of bankroll at the moment. So I hadn't really sold any NFTs. I was just hodling. So uh, I passed on it. But even though it's a regret, it's c- cool to hear that it's your favorite. Yeah, we all we all miss projects, so don't beat yourself up. No, we do. I didn't miss Moonbirds, though, so there we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then in five years, what's the craziest thing you think we'll be doing in the metaverse that people just aren't thinking or talking about yet? I think that we'll be mixing physical places and NFTs in ways that will be really, really fun. Uh, you can imagine stacking NFTs in physical places and unlocking experiences, I think it's going to be awesome. And I can't wait. I like that. Cool. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for joining this podcast and and sharing your perspective on Web3, on NFTs, what your future plans are. And I really do want to say I appreciate the open and honest conversation about Moonbirds and and your experience to that because I think it's valuable for people in the community here. I think it's valuable for potential builders to hear. I'm just glad that uh, you're coming out strong and and going to be continuing to build and educate and and support the ecosystem that we've got going on in crypto. Appreciate the invite. It's been a blast. For sure. Can you please share with everyone before we finish this up where they can find you, connect with you, follow you? You bet. 121G is just 121G.fund. And then I'm on Twitter as Ryan Carson. My DMs are open, so hit me up anytime. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Ryan. Thank you to everyone listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. Please, if you're watching on YouTube, drop a like and subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, following along, leaving a review goes a long way. So with that, We'll see you next week and I'll see you in the metaverse. Peace out. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. And remember, this conversation doesn't have to end here. Tweet us your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. I look forward to hearing from you and thank you so much for listening.